Are you a mom or a mom-to-be looking for tips to make wearing your mom hat a little easier? Hoping to become as smart about motherhood as you can be? Then you've found the podcast that leaves you a little smarter than before every time you listen to one of our expert guests. I'm cognitive psychologist and child development specialist, Dr. Amy Moore. Join us on a quest to becoming a brainy mom. and welcome to this episode of Brainy Moms brought to you today by Learning Rx Brain Training Centers. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Moore, here with my co-host, Terry Miller, coming to you today from Colorado Springs, Colorado. We're excited to welcome our guest just up the road a couple of hours in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, Jessica Spear. Jessica is an award-winning author of BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships, and her new book, Middle School, Safety Goggles Advised. Her interactive books are engaging and they entertain readers by combining the stories of preteens and teens with fun activities like quizzes and fill in the blanks, blending humor and a dash of science and practical insights. Her writing unpacks the tricky stuff that peaks during adolescence. Jessica has a master's degree in social sciences and explores social emotional topics in ways that connect with kids. And we're super excited to have her a second time with us today. Yep. So glad to have you back, Jessica. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be back with you both. Thank you for having me. And thanks for the great introduction. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well, so before we dig in, I want you to tell our listeners, um, little about your, about your background. We heard that the first time we interviewed you, but for those that are just tuning in the first time, tell them a little bit about how you came to be an expert on middle school trauma for girls. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So how did I get into this? I started, gosh, it's been over 10 years now. Um, inspired much in part by my kids. So I have a background in social sciences and two daughters. And when my girls hit elementary school, I noticed things started to get complicated. So that um, really made me curious. And I dove into um, information about kids' friendships and research. That prompted a friendship program that I ran that grew into my first book. And then when that came out, I I then had middle schoolers and things got even more interesting. So again, as a social scientist, this made me curious. And where I like to, you know, to go in addition to, you know, looking at the latest research is to talk to kids. So for my second book, I spent a lot of time in seventh grade classrooms doing just that, talking to kids. You know, what is it like to be a middle schooler these days? What is the trickiest parts? And to hear some of their stories. Um, And then after lots of those conversations and blending that with, Um, research. I just recently released this second book called Middle School Safety Goggles Advised. So obviously you titled that for a reason, Safety Goggles Advised (laughs) for a reason, right? So what is it about middle school that is so tricky for kids? Yeah, well, there's a lot that's tricky and I wanted to have fun with that. And I wanted to also just shed light on the awkwardness. So this whole book shines light on the tricky, awkward stuff, you know, and, you know, the safety goggles is a reference to science. So whenever I could, I pull in a little bit of human behavior science because it's so helpful to know why are we doing these things? You know, why do humans have a tendency to gossip? Why do we have a tendency to create groups and clicks. You know, it's just knowing the why helps us make more informed choices on our very own behavior. Yeah. I love how you, as a scientist myself, I loved your references to, you know, you go, so here's a not so scientific question for you to answer, or (laughs) this is a science, not really research. I mean, it was super cute Mm -hmm. um, how you built that in so that it was it makes it engaging you uh-huh. know, for the middle schooler to be like, oh, this is going to be a boring science experiment. No, it's not. This is a humorous book, yeah. you know, that, that is welcoming to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. it makes it, it, it makes it engaging for the mom of the middle schooler too. You know I mean? That's so, yeah, it's just, um, you have such an approachable writing style. Um, yeah, just quick, easy read, encouraging, informational. And I'm saying that from the mom of a middle schooler perspective. So the first time you were here, you know, had my sixth and seventh grader, and now they're older going into the next grade. So my daughter, Serene, is going into eighth grade. My son, Nakoda, is going into seventh grade, and they are 
smack in the middle of what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And it is such a complicated time. Oh, it is. Oh my goodness. Their hormones, the changes in their bodies and their friendships that shift. And oh my goodness, it's a hard time. And I want to talk about what I'm seeing that's so different than even what we experienced or even what my older kids, my kids that are um, 28, 27, 26, they went through something different. It's, it was different for them because now social media is in the mix. Mm -hmm. And if that's all right, I'd love to jump in on that right away because it is so important. It has changed things. Talk about social media in the realm of this middle school adventure and struggle. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up. In fact, the students brought that up, you know, so when I asked you, what are the trickiest things that was definitely up there, you know, social media, it's a love hate relationship for them. They love the ability to connect with their peers all the time, you know, cause a lot of them have their phones all night long. So they are connecting all the time, but there's so much pressure, pressure to stay informed as to what's happening, pressure to look a certain way, you know, pressure to, you know, know everything is going on all the time. So the FOMO thing. So they, they feel that. And I heard that over and over. So the quotes were often like, it's a great way to connect, but I'm also, I'm often judging myself on the number of likes I get. You know, so I just kept hearing that over and over. And this generation has not known anything different. Um, you know, but what's interesting to me, what also came up as one of the top 10 topics you know, that were tricky was stress. And I think this contributes to that. Just this, it's another added stress. When we were in kids, when we were kids, we could just leave school and be done. And now it's not over. You know, it's, it's, it's just beginning actually, you know, you leave school and then everything's happening online. People are chatting and connecting and sharing things. And so it, it does ramp up the pressure on, on kids in so many, so many ways. And, you know, we just recently heard in the news, you know, the famous Facebook files that they are seeing that a really vulnerable part of our population are preteen girls, you know, so they are in a insecure, vulnerable place, just developmentally, you know, so much is changing with them. And now all of a sudden they also, you know, have to put themselves out there and they have to look a certain way and they can really see what they're invited to and what they're not invited to, you know, so I don't want to sound like, you know, Debbie Downer, like this is really horrible, but it's definitely changed middle school and the preteen years in a huge, huge way and added a lot of pressure on kids that we didn't have to deal with. Right. There's no, there's no respite. There's no relief from Mm -hmm. that, that social pressure, that anxiety, that, um, concern of what do people think? How am I interacting? If I don't, if I don't respond right away, if I don't snap back, you know, there's, it's just constant. And so how, as a mom, how can I, I mean, I know there, there are some schools of thought where it's like, no, you just take their phone away. You take screens away. And I don't happen to be that kind of mom because I don't know. I just, it, I've, I've experienced that some with my older kids and it didn't work very effectively, (laughs) caused a lot of backlash. So how as a mom, can I help encourage them to find respite from that, to get some rest from that onslaught? but without controlling, taking their phone away. Yeah. And we definitely, as always, have to come from a place of just not sounding like we're judging them and criticizing them and their whole generation for this. So we have to come at this with empathy, but helping to raise their awareness in many ways. One thing that I've been really focusing on is I don't think kids realize that the social media is their real marketing machines, their goal is to keep you online, you know, so they use persuasive design techniques to keep you scrolling, you know, to keep, you know, you tag people, you're in a streak on, on Snapchat, you're in, you know, so there's, there's a little maneuver. So I'd like to bring their attention to that so that, so they they know they're informed consumers of what they're using that, you know, they actually are trying to keep you online. So, you know, as, as non-judgmentally, judgmentally as I can, just sharing the business model of some of these things, and then also helping them understand how they're feeling after spending time on online. There's been some really interesting studies done, especially on girls, that um, they can change 
their whole mood based on their feed. So if they, and, and so algorithms work in a way that we start watching the same exact things over and over. So what we like, we, they send us more of that, you know, especially on like TikTok and things like that. So if we go down a real a rabbit hole that is, you know, really, it's, it's just crushing us as, as, a, as a preteen person. It's cr- crushing us. We can change that feed. And they've shown that that can change how you feel, you know. So, so encourage your kids to follow things that are inspiring them. Follow things that are, you know, bring out the best in you um, and, 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 you know, log off to the things that aren't. So stop following them and just noticing what things they are letting go in their lives. I know my oldest teen daughter this summer, she's, she's, she went off TikTok just cold. She's, and she came to this on her own. She, she realized, you know, I used to read a ton of books and, and she just noticed that in herself. Like, I don't even read anymore because I spent so much time on TikTok. So she just went off it on her own. So helping them notice what what's being displaced in their lives because they're spending so much time online um, and just finding that balance. The, the social media is not going away, but how can we find a balance so that you know we're tapping into our best selves? We're still still cultivating the parts of ourselves that we want to you know continue to grow and, and continue to learn and continue to achieve. So it's a balancing act um, and ongoing conversations that you know families are having these days. So I love that you brought up that algorithm. I don't think in all of the conversations that we've had about the detriments of social media on kids, have we ever had anyone make that suggestion? Because typically the suggestion is, well, they need to be off social media or we need to limit social media or we need to block certain people. But never have I heard that, that suggestion to trick the algorithm in your favor, Right yes. to follow what brings you joy, what you're passionate about, so what good. you love to see more of. So then it pushes down um, the feed, um, the things that you don't want to see or that make you feel bad about yourself. And mm-hmm. so I think that's absolutely genius. So yeah. thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. You know, and, and I did, I stumbled upon a great study that was done. I think it was out of the UK on exactly this. And they noticed a change in girls. They noticed a change if they switch their feet off of, you know, just, you know, lots of things on beauty or whatever it might be to something that was really inspiring to them. They noticed a significant change in their mood. Um, so that, and then also having two teens that have gone down this rabbit hole, you know, so they, they're very concerned about climate. So they'll watch a lot of videos and sometimes you can watch so many videos that it was just, they, they, they feel, they feel hopeless, you know? So, so they, you know, we talked about that, you know, it's, it's, I love it. That is a passion of theirs. They really care about that, but they have to watch how much of that they're watching because it can bring you into such a dark place. So just being aware of that, you know, the tech side of this is really important. And I feel like for this generation, we haven't caught up, um, with the putting the guardrails yet on technology. So kids right. are, are receiving the, you know, the short end of this stick this day and age, because we have not caught up as far as legislation and regulation goes. Um, so we kind of have to do that as parents. And it's, it's super intimidating, you know, to try to take that on. But, um, you know, actually, I, I just wrote my third book on this topic. So I will share with you guys coming out next summer, it's called The Phone Book. Um, and it, I, it goes into all this, because I think it's really important for kids and families to know what is happening in technology that, that we are not even aware of, you know. And wow. so we, the smarter we are about how technology works, the better we're going to be able to guide our kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's one uh, tricky area that you identified in all of your talking with the middle school kids. Um, What else stood out to you? You know, the the thing that I... I was surprised because I think sometimes parents, we think, ah, this is in their head. Um, What came out the most was judgment by peers, Mm. you know, and sometimes I think we as parents think, oh, they just feel like they're being judged, but no, (laughs) I get story after story of them actually being judged by their peers. And and I I remember that too. You know, sometimes I I think it was a blend of me feeling like I was being judged by by my peers and then actually being judged. So it's hard to know, you know, what the, what the balance there is, but I kept hearing over and over judgment by peers, you know, so people judging you for what you wear or what you say or who you hang out with. And so that was, that was really real. So that's where, that's where I started with in the book. I'm like, chapter one, 
harsh judgment because what a great place to start. I think that feeds so many other things that are happening, you know, so harsh judgment of our peers feeds gossip and it feeds drama and it feeds, you know, cliques and groups. So I thought, okay, perfect. Let's start there. And why do we judge each other as humans? You know, it tends to be, you know, when we are in a place of, you know, feeling threatened or feeling insecure and, you know, talk about middle school, you know, yeah. th- you know feeling threatened and insecure, that's, that's middle school. Um, so, you know, what I love though, is the kids really knew that's why this was happening, you know, and, and I was always just blown away by their wisdom of knowing why this is going on. You know, they knew that, that this is happening because kids are kind of in a place of insecurity or, you know, so, but they, I think where it gets tricky is they don't know how to navigate that. And that makes sense because this is really the first time in their lives that they are dealing with some of these things. So, um, So I think we as parents can come just knowing that, like, of course, this is hard because you've never had to deal with this sort of stuff before. So let's talk about some strategies as to how how to deal with that. You know, if somebody really, you know, says something that that cuts you to the bone or, you know, so it's it's hard. And then they're kind of starting almost from ground zero. I mean, this stuff ramps up quite significantly from elementary school. So, you know, they they are not quite ready as far as how they respond, how they're going to respond, how they're going to react. Um, so it is, it feels, it feels really big. And then of course, emotions are big during this, this phase of life too. So I can see why this was mentioned the most, um, harsh judgment. And Terry, do you find that with your kids? Is that, are they, do they tell you stories of that that's happening at their yeah. school? Yeah. It's, yeah. My son, I hear him more. He talks about the feeling of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a bit of boy, it's different, you know, I think, and I know you, you shouldn't say, oh, boys and girls are different, whatever, but they just are the way they interact. And I've seen that, that my son deals with the feeling of being judged because maybe um, some friends will kind of withdraw and they kind of hang together and he'll feel like, well, because my, I didn't, I don't have a soccer ball yet. They're all playing with their soccer balls and kicking them around. And I'm judged because I don't have a soccer ball and I'm not part of that soccer ball group and, you know, weird little things like that. And then he'll be devastated that he doesn't have a soccer ball. Yeah. And it comes out at me. I can't believe I've, I've been asking for two weeks for a soccer ball and my life is over because <laughs> I don't have a soccer ball. And the thing is, as a parent, I want to go, buddy, give me a break. Yeah. You know, but I like what I feel like what your book brings light to and what I've learned through the years, because I've got a lot of kids, I've got older ones, is that my response has to be, I am so sorry. This feels so heavy. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how we can get you a soccer ball. And I want to be here for you. And I love you. And I want to try to help you. And I think you're valuable. And I don't know, do these things to try to comfort, but not minimize that his life is actually over because he doesn't have a soccer ball yet. Yeah. Because he feels that it is. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That's your response. Because it is, it is a huge deal mm-hmm. to them. They're feeling, you know, I think a lot, the sense that I got is that kids feel uh, like the ground is kind of shifting beneath them. They're not yeah. exactly sure where their friendship stands. They're not sure where they stand in the whole hierarchy status thing. You know, they're not even sure who they are as, you know, individuals. Yeah. So the ground feels shaky. So I love that you, that's your response because they need us to take this seriously and to, to be there for them and to have their back. I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, to, to spoil them rotten, but to, to hear right. the struggle, you know, hear how uncomfortable things are. And, you know, when I was writing this book, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, some of the things felt really honest and raw, but I'm like, you know what? This is what they told me. So I'm putting it in there. You know, this is exactly yeah. their word. So this is how it's going in the book. And, you know, I, I, I tried to lighten it up and, you know, use some humor, but I wanted to really share the depth of the hardness of it, um, mm-hmm. you know, that it is hard. And, and it's also a really critical period. So even though it's hard and uncomfortable, it's a time where they're starting to figure out how to do this. And it's not easy and it's, and there's lots of bumps in the road, but, but what I've found now having some high schoolers and, you know, watching the kids that I've worked with in the past, they, they learn who they are and they learn how they want to navigate these things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so beautiful towards the end of this, you know, in the middle, you're like, oh my gosh, is my kid okay? But, you know, watching the tail end of this, like, oh, cool. 
they have, they really get in this, you know, and they, they kind of have a sense of how to navigate this and they have a sense of who they are and how they want to be in the world. So it's a cool process, but it's uncomfortable for parents and kids alike. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> I was just going to say like the opposite, like with Serene, um, girls being different with that judgment thing. The thing I've noticed that again is different from when my older kids were in middle school. And even when we were in middle school, you know, we felt it, we felt that judgment, but it seems that it is more blatant now in these insidious social media and text texting ways. So that what my daughter's experienced is, um, you know, like she's, she went through a hard time and was just kind of pretty down for a few weeks with dealing with some hard stuff. And, um, she had a friend within a friend group that was just like, you know, oh my gosh, quit complaining. Can you just look on the bright side? But didn't say those things to her, did things like posted within their group that they all follow each other, did things like optimistic people are so great to be around and people that complain or, you know what I mean? Yes. Weird manipulative stuff that goes on. And so they're following each other's feeds and liking it and whatever. And so this is really happening. Mm -hmm. And like, we, as parents have to understand they are not just feeling it. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a direct attack, but the way social media works, it is. And they're feeling it that way. When that friend posts something that seems general, but it's directed at the little bit of a conversation they had, that hurts. That's oh, it totally so hurts. Hard. It totally hurts. And so, you know, and, and what I guess I see happening there is there was a conflict. And instead of this person going directly to your daughter and privately talking about yeah. this, they decide to indirectly share it in a, you know, in a more public space. And it just, mm-hmm. it just amplifies it. It's, it yeah. amplifies it. And yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. You're so right. And it, yeah, it's a tricky so time. <laughs> So I can recall, you know, my middle school years, um, I went to a private, very wealthy, private middle school. Um, And the only reason I got to go to this private school is because my dad was a teacher there. So I got free tuition, right? So um, there was this store that was called the Porcupine. I will never forget. It was all the designer clothes. And so all of these kids got their clothes from there. And I, my parents couldn't afford the clothes from the porcupine. And so I just remember being teased that I did not have designer labels on my clothes in middle school. And so that was just a wave that I had to ride out, right? At least it wasn't on social media, but it was just this wave of inadequacy that I had to ride out. Mm -hmm. So are we telling our kids today, it will pass, ride this out? Or are there some strategies that we can give them to help build their sense of resilience? Or what are your recommendations? Like Mm -hmm. as parents, how can we support our kids when they're in that storm? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things I try to tackle in this book, you know, because a lot of the behaviors that we're seeing, you know, some of the harsh judgment and the gossip and, you know, um, just aggressive and mean behaviors is everybody's unique way of trying to fit in, trying to belong trying to gain some status, you know, so I, that is the thing, the theme that I just keep coming back to. And so as parents, we can keep coming back to our kids with that too. So what we can help our kids not do is internalize it, that there's something wrong with me. You know, what's happening here is all these kids entering a new phase of development where it's super important for everybody to feel like, yeah, they're part of a group or they're cool or, you know, so, so you know, encouraging kids or just helping them see the big picture, you know, that doesn't make it any easier, but always coming back to that, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. This is what's happening around you. And these are tough years for that, but it does change, you know, and what I've found is that by the middle of high school, things really settle out, you know, so this whole thing kind of peaks maybe a freshman year and then it, whoosh, it kind of settles out um, quite a bit. So, so just keeping that light out there, you know, being a sounding board, letting them know that all these tough emotions are hard, helping them think through their choices. Um, and this is where it gets hard because because things are so complicated, often our knee-jerk, you know, solutions are not going to work at all. You know, so being aware that our solutions are not often helpful at all. So helping them come up with what are some of their possible solutions and what are the solutions that put forth 
the best of you. You know, so it's it's possible not to get mired in the, you know, the unsavory stuff going on. So thinking through how can I, how can how can you navigate this in a way that kind of shows the person you want to be or you are, you know, so, so, you know, it's helping them think through that and it's, it's not easy and it's, um, it's ongoing. Um, that's super important. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I love the idea of having those conversations where they help problem solve, where they yep. help come up with a strategy mm-hmm. um, that they're comfortable with. Cause a lot of times we think, Hey, just say this to them. Or right. just try this. That and that's our language. And that's right. our initial, this is how I would handle it. Right. Well, that doesn't necessarily fit our children's personalities or their mm-hmm. comfort zone. Right. I mean, like that doesn't feel like them. And so if, if they're not owning the potential solution, then yep. how can they implement that mm-hmm. effectively and comfortably? Mm-hmm. Yep. And to pick their battles, you know, we all pick our battles and, and sometimes, you know, you just, you just choose not to engage, <laughs> you know, you just, you see how it turns out. Sometimes, you know, something comes up, it blows up and then it just settles away. So, so just let them pick their battles. Um, sometimes a wait and see is an okay way to go. Cause it would be exhausting if we responded to every sing, every single thing that came up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Ooh, that's, Good right there. Yeah. I'm thinking about with Serene and I, I do think, I know this is your, a lot of your focus, your research is directed at, at girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this new book is just middle school. It's wonderful, but I do think there is a unique pain for girls in this area, because for some reason, socially, culturally communication, I don't know. It's we're more mean girls like the movie. <laughs> it's yeah. It's more a mean girls phase. And, um, and I've tried to help my daughter see that, um, instead of responding to maybe some of, some of those passive aggressive jabs, you know, that, that show up in their, their social media circle or whatever, you know, like that, that really are attacks. They all know since they were in conversation about it, they all know that's directed at that one girl that instead of responding to it, defending, arguing, getting upset, how about sit back and just continue to be who you are because those mean girls know that that was a mean girl thing. And so we can just let it play out. You don't have to interact. You know, I mean, what do you think about that as one encouragement? What do you think? I don't know. Yeah. And this is, and so this kind of gets us back to where we, and let's talk about gossip. Cause I feel like yeah, that is for girls. Sometimes that is a way that they are uh, trying to manage conflict in a not very healthy way. So um, everybody gossips. We all probably gossip to some degree. And especially like, so in middle school, it might be as innocent as just knowing what's going on in your community, like who likes who or who just got expelled or, you know, so we gossip is just talking about, you know, other people, you know, when they're not there. And then, but then it can cross a line into, you know, in the book, I talk about it as toxic. And so when things get toxic is when it's really one-sided. It's, usually a conflict that someone is instead of talking directly to the person they're kind of going around them you know to to indirectly address the situation you know and so therefore they're kind of pulling other people into this thing and you know it creates drama so that right there um i it what i have seen is it it can be girls notice who who are the ones that are just taking people down you know and they lose trust in those. Right. And so, so over time, you know, there's things happening behind the scenes. People are, are more cautious. They, they might not want to go deep in a friendship with somebody because they've kind of seen that this person actually can, can be pretty cruel to, to people and, and are not very trustworthy. So, um, you know, just all we can do is encourage our kids to, you know, try to put out there, you know, the qualities that you want to have in friendship. So if you want to be a trustworthy person, you know, don't be the one that's, that's doing that. You know, if you have a conflict with somebody, even if it's super hard and comfortable, can you go directly to that person instead of, you know, a roundabout way to try to, to deal with this instead of dealing directly with the problem. So yeah, that it's a tricky one. And I would say for, you know, for girls, especially this is where things 
get so complicated and it hurts. It hurts to know that you've got friends that are talking about you in a way that, you know, you don't appreciate. It's, it's, it's really hard. Uh, I don't want to, you know, you know, just not emphasize how hard that is for girls because girls really do want to connect. And, you know, just because girls are, developmentally a little bit farther along than boys, you know, they are looking for, you know, starting in middle school, a little deeper connections. So, so elementary is all about play. And, you know, once we get to middle school, they're looking for some tighter relationships filled with trust where they can really talk about things that are important to them. And that's where things can get really messy. Cause if they start sharing some things that are really important to them and it's in a relationship that isn't very, you know, isn't filled with trust yet. Oh boy, that can, the bottom can fall out and that can yeah. just break break kids heart, you know, but uh, um, you're really important lessons learned there, you know, to kind of let friendships grow to that level of trust instead of immediately, you know, which is sad. I wish we could immediately just, you know, open up to people in a certain way. But in middle school, we might want to let those relationships grow to a place where we, we have developed that level of trust with each other to really share that some things that, you know, are private information for us. So good. Yeah, so speaking of wanting those closer relationships and connections, um, let's talk about crushes and dating mm-hmm. a little bit that starts emerging in those, especially those late middle school years. What's yes. the tricky, what's what's happening that makes that so tricky? And this, these were some of the most fun conversations that I had with the kids because they really wanted to talk about this. Um, so, so we started with crushes, and you know, of course, there's going to be tons of crushes in middle school, um, and there's a huge scale. I talk about the crush scale. You know, some people are way high on the crush scale; they've crush after crush, and then others are just not even there yet. So, so again, there's this big range of where kids are developmentally, um, and for the most part, you know, crushes are kind of fun but there are those breaches of trust where somebody isn't quite ready for you know their friend to share their crush and their friend shared anyway and so you know that causes some conflict and drama but for the most part you know kids thought the thing was you know the whole crush scene was kind of funny and entertaining it really ramps up if there's a dance coming all of a sudden you know there's this matchmaking thing but where I found things got uncomfortable for kids is all of a sudden you know so two people have a crush or say they dance at a dance the the gossip starts and you know their friends start really pushing them to in quote date so, uh, you know, they, so you can't just have like an innocent crush or, you know, the, that things are quickly like pushed into, oh, you guys have to date, you know, and middle school dating is, from what I heard, it's, it's nothing like adult dating. It's, you know, you might not even see each other. It might just be more of a text relationship, but, but kids were clear that their kids are dating because they're being pressured into it. And also there's some status assigned to that. So, so only certain, yeah, certain groups are only dating and they're dating within that group. And again, dating quotes, cause not really going out on dates very much. They might go as a small group or something, but it's mostly, you know, um, online chats and things like that. But they, I think the, 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 one of the best quotes I got was it would, dances would be so much more fun if there wasn't all of a sudden this pressure to date, like, why can't we just have a dance and dance with somebody instead of all this pressure then, you know, like if you dance with somebody game on, you know, like, yeah, everybody pounces on you. And so, you know, there's a little bit of fun to that, but it also takes away some of the fun and all of a sudden it ramps things up from what I heard farther than kids were ready to go. Yeah. The, the status thing of, I'm dating someone. I mean, we, we used to call it what going steady, you know? Yep. We said going together. We going together. Say the word steady. Are you oh, going okay. with yeah. him? Yeah, yeah. Which I know it didn't make any sense. Going yeah. where? I know. <laughs> I know, but dating doesn't make sense either from our perspective. Cause we're like, you're going to go on a date. You're 13, you know, <laughs> yeah. but whatever, but we got to take it seriously. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, so I just, you know, in the book, I talk about, you know, just, you don't have to put those pressures on your friends, you know, like just, just, you can enjoy the crush, enjoy it, you know, but if your friend really doesn't want to be pressured into that, just let them not pressure them. You know, just, just let that go. You know, so who knows that? I'm sure that will never take hold. Cause I remember that too. I remember that whole scene so clearly, but yeah, there's a lot of pressure there. You know, um, once, once it is, once the crush is revealed, there's a lot of pressure there that, that goes with it. Yeah. And there's, and I think there's pressure. What, what I've seen with my daughter is, there's pressure to 
um, say there's pressure from other people or from social circles to say that there's a relationship when there's not. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So for example, Serene and Nakoda have been friends. Like we are, we've been family friends for years with two other boys that have about that same age gap. So the younger boy is, you know, just dear, dear friends with Nakoda. And then the older son is they're all, they're all four. It's not even like, you know, this older son and Serene are better friends. They're just all for this wonderful, fun group that have been together since they were itty bitty. And so now this boy is turning into a young man. He's 14. He's just handsome and sweet. And Serene is turning into a beautiful young woman. Well, they still just play like kids. Yep. You know, they run around outside, ride bikes and want to go hiking. And so we still like the mom and I, we're super good friends. They still have sleepovers, you know, and like they do these camping sleepovers and they're all in this like big tent sprawled out in sleeping bags. And it's not weird and it's not awkward mm-hmm. and it's completely fine because Serena's like, he's like my brother, you know, yes. a friend will say, oh, do you like him? Are y'all dating? And she's no gross. He's like my brother, but there is all this pressure on her because they spend a lot of time together because the soccer game comes up and the four just come together and they just, you know, talk and connect. And then her friends are like, oh, you're dating him. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And what do you do with that? And what do you do with that? How do you help encourage your middle schooler? to have friends of the opposite sex, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And you can be friends without it having to be dating. What about that little tricky piece? Talk about that. Well, I love her response. You know, she's got that down. And so helping them with these little responses, like, oh, he's like my brother. You know, so if they have in their pocket a few little responses like that, we've been friends since we're two, or, you know, just like those little things that they could say that will quell, you know, the rumor mill, they can just pull those out. And I love that she's just doing that. And, And her response says it all. Her body language, the words she says are like, oh. And they move on, you know, like, oh, okay, move on to the next thing. So just helping our kids with those little phrases just to shut down those things, you know, so like in one sentence, like, no, you know, we, we've been friends for a long time, you know, that just done. Okay, move on. You know, so, the, so again, some of this is like that developmental phase where they're, they're kind of excited for the stuff that happens in high school. They're not in high school yet. So, so, but they're excited to see, ooh, some things are happening, you know. So, so it's, again, staying aware of their community and their peers and who's doing what. So some of it is just innocent, but, you, you know, it does help if you can just like right off the bat have something that just shuts it down in a nice, kind way. Like, oh, no, you got to be kidding me. And then, you know, it can just move on because it's always, you know, it's always circulating. You know, the, the lunchroom would be such a quiet place. You know, if, if this wasn't happening in the lunchroom, it would be silent. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. happening all the time. Yeah. Right. Okay. And kids are looking for that dopamine rush that just like we are all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so these types of conversations bring that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it's fun and, and it's exciting. You know, I remember, you know, stories of the dance and there was always the kids that were like the matchmakers and that was their whole role at the dance. It's like matchmaking, you know, so uh-huh. some of it is super fun. And then some of it does cross a line where it's all of a sudden, you know, in a space where the kids actually didn't want to be, you know, so just, yeah, yeah just yeah. having as much fun with you, as fun with it as you can, but also knowing when you need to just set a boundary and say, hey, you know, yeah. nope, that's not what's happening. Yeah. All right, so we need to take a break and let uh, Terry read a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, um, we'd like you to just give our listeners an overview of your book. Like, what were the what were the key areas that you identified in your research, and then how your book can help middle schoolers? Like, how's it laid out? Um, what what types of activities do you have them do? Um, things like that. When we come back. Are you concerned about your child's reading or spelling performance? Are you worried your child's reading curriculum isn't thorough enough? Well, most learning struggles aren't the results of poor curriculum or instruction. They're typically caused by having cognitive skills that need to be strengthened. Skills like auditory processing, memory, and processing speed. Learning RX one-on-one brain training and structured literacy programs are designed to target and strengthen the skills that we rely on for reading, spelling, writing, and learning. 
LearningRx can help you identify which skills may be keeping your child from performing their best. The LearningRx team would like to help get your child on the path to a brighter and more confident future. Join the growing list of more than 100,000 children and adults trained at LearningRx. Give LearningRx a call at 866-BRAIN-01 or visit learningrx.com. That's learningrx.com. And we're back talking to Jessica Spear, social scientist and award-winning author who um, is talking about her latest book, Middle School Safety Goggles Advised. So Jessica, talk to us about the interactiveness of your book and what types of, uh, you know, other problems are addressed and, you know, how our listeners' kids could really benefit from that. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned that this book goes into really awkward, tricky stuff. So I had to figure out a way, how how can I actually get middle schoolers to actually want to read this? So it's filled with um, interactive stuff. So every chapter starts with a little self quiz um, just to get their head in the game um, and on the topic. So, you know, the first chapter is on harsh judgment. So a couple questions on that. Um, and then, you know, throughout the chapter, there's ways for them to engage. And every chapter also includes a choose your own ending, which is my favorite part. And this actually came, this idea came from students, um, choose your own ending. So when I was working with kids, I kept hearing a lot of similar stories of what, you know, what happens in middle school. You know, a simple one is like, you know, the dance is coming and you and your friend have a crush on the same person, you know? And so then what do you do? Option A, you know, option B, option C, and the story unfolds. And, um, that what I love about that is it gives the reader a chance to see the way this could unfold based on how they choose to respond. Um, so, you know, there isn't one right answer. Sometimes the answer that is most likely is you see, oh, how that worked out wasn't maybe the best, you know, but that's, that's the most likely response sometimes in middle school, but it's great even to see that, you know, so, so that part allows kids a chance to think through their choices you know, maybe even before they're in this situation. So yeah, and, and of course, the book is filled with tons of quotes um, from kids themselves. I, they, like I said earlier, they had so much wisdom as to what's really going on beneath the surface. So um, the chapters have what I call um, antidotes, you know, to things like antidotes to peer pressure, antidotes to gossip and drama. And so kids wrote the most amazing things. I would give them just a little slip of paper. I'm like, so what would you tell an incoming middle schooler how to deal with this? And I was blown away with what they wrote down. So, so those ideas are weaved in the book too. I think the timing of this is really good. Um, we've got a few, I mean, I'm assuming this is going to air pretty quick. We've got a, a little bit of time left of summer, a few weeks left of summer, and then school just starting. And I think that's a great time for parents of middle schoolers and middle school kids to dig into things like this um, before that overwhelm begins. And I've mm -hmm. seen this in my kids, and I, I would imagine you've probably seen this in the kids that you've worked with. Once they're in the thick of it and they're, the tears are already there and those girls were so mean and I can't believe she said that. And I think then trying to dig in and like be calm and do these interactive things that's harder. And so I would encourage listeners, don't wait, jump on this. It's great time. Help your kiddo navigate some of this right now. They're not overwhelmed with schoolwork yet. They're probably not totally overwhelmed with all this social craziness that's going to come once school starts. So this is a great time to love them well and I would say, quick read, read through it as a parent, but don't try to spoon feed it to your kid <laughs> and then say, hey, I got this for you and, and let your kiddo dig in maybe without hovering too much. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, just, yeah. Let them read it through at their own pace because it will give them some tools for their toolbox like how how what are my choices um so I think that what I try to do is just lay that out as clearly as I could you know you've yeah. got choices in all these situations you've got a lot of choices and and sometimes it's hard to know that when we're in the thick of it you know we're just so overwhelmed with the situation yeah. and our emotions it's we forget about our choices so yeah thank you for saying that it is a great time before mm -hmm. things really you know start getting busy with the school year in full session yeah. 
And so do you recommend to parents, is this a hands-off book for them? I mean, once they've looked through it and given it to their middle schooler, is that is that top secret now? <laughs> you know, and I... I think we have to give our middle schoolers a lot of leeway there. I would love to say, you know, read it with them and, you know, put yeah. some of the, you know, the, every chapter has the final, final word, which is like the lowdown on that topic, you know, put that out in the fridge. But the truth is that might be too much for a middle schooler, you know, but if, if you privately read it, so you've kind of got it in your head, you're really, it's going to, it's going to bring you right back to middle school. So you f- find that empathy and understanding of their world. So if you read it privately and then, you know, they read it on their own time. Yeah. I think we can't beat anything too hard when they're this age, you know, cause that will turn them off. So yeah, just gently, gently guiding them, leaving it out, you know, putting it in their room, um, you know, maybe some conversation starters, but yeah, yeah, we can't, we can't be overly involved, especially in middle school. They, mm-hmm. they need to take, start taking the lead. Great and advice. I think it's, it's a great tool also, you know, if we can jump on it right now and, you know, and encourage you know, I'd, I'd get two copies minimum for my, <laughs> you know, and encourage them to read it. Hey, this is a fun one to work through this. Is your copy, you just write in it. It's yours. Make it this your journal. And, you know, remember last year you really struggled with so-and-so and she's got some great ideas that really might help you. And so then let it set, let them work with it. And I'm imagining that this is going to be a fantastic tool. Then two months from now, when this same thing pops up that I can say, oh, Serene, honey, I'm so sorry. Gosh, you know what? That so reminds me of Jessica Spears. Remember that book, Jessica Spears chapter on gossip. Golly. Yeah. You know what? That same thing she described is happening. I wonder what did her book say about that? <laughs> yeah. You know, one of my, one of the chapters I feel like is the most helpful is popularity, you know, cause that was another topic that came up big time. Like, you know, what is weird and tricky about middle school and the whole popularity scene. So, so I dive deep into that because there's a ton of research on what is actually happening. And middle school popularity is different from, you know, popularity in other stage of life. So in middle school, um, this other sort of popularity surfaces and it's, it's more of a status popularity. So in early elementary school, popularity is not really a thing, but if somebody's popular, it's because they're likable. And I'll put that in quotes. And likable is somebody who is cooperative and they share and they're good listeners. They make people feel good about themselves. So that's, that's how you're popular in elementary school. Um, in middle school, there's still that, but then this other sort of popularity surfaces, it's status. And this is more about kind of being nice some days, mean mean some days, they have more notoriety, they have more influence on the group, and more power. And sometimes that power comes from maybe some pro-social as well as some anti-social behaviors, you know, maybe there's some aggressiveness there. So, So this status popularity is complicated. And kids told me that they, these people are popular, but not many people like them. You know, they're actually, they're, they're more afraid of them. So, you know, this is a great conversation to have with your kids because that the trajectory of status popularity, when you look at the research is not great. Like those are the kids that start dabbling in substances more, their relationships suffer even longer term, like longer term marriages down the road, you know, status popularity is not great for well-being of kids. So, you know, when kids are navigating this really complex middle school popularity scene, helping them see, hey, there's more than one type of popularity here. Who are the kids that you really like because they're good people? They're leaders. You know, they, they're people you want to be around. You know, so those are the ones that, you know, that if, if those are the skills you want to cultivate, you know, those are the kids that we can use as role models. So, so yeah, popularity is a big thing in middle school. And that also kind of peaks in early high school and then falls away. You know, it's not, it's no longer a thing, especially, you know, the the status popularity is, you know, kids are quickly over that in early high school. And those kids sometimes get dropped in in a really difficult way. So, so that's a great ongoing conversation to have because, you know, like it or not, kids have to figure out how to navigate peer status. You know, it's, it's so much in their world of middle school, they have to figure out who they are and where do they fit and who are their friends. So like it or not, 
they have to navigate status. Um, and, you know, but to keep an eye out for those kids that are the ones that are the ones that are likable. You want to be around. They make you feel good. They, they're, you know, easy to hang out with. So, so yeah, that was the popularity thing. We had some great, great conversations. And of course, it's complicated in middle school. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is so good. It's so, uh, this is just such important information and encouragement for parents and for kids in this hard stage. I really appreciate what you've, what you've brought and appreciate your book and yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't care if we're the mom or we're the kid. We all need safety goggles. Yes. Yeah, I just bought some safety goggles for some of my upcoming presentations. I got a lab coat. I got my safety goggles. And, you know, we can, and I don't want to get too heavy. And that's why I wanted to write this book in a light way because it's easy to get really heavy on this. But, you know, there's also really fun and cool and funny things happening too. So, so let's, let's not forget that, you know, and, you know, embrace the awkwardness. You know, one of my favorite dinner questions, you know, as we go around the table is, you know, what was the best thing that happened? What was the most awkward thing? Like, let's just get that out there. It's okay. Let's talk about it. You know, it's, we all have those awkward moments and it is okay. Yeah, absolutely. So um, how can listeners find you and uh, your new book? Uh, easiest place to find me is my website, which is Jessica Spear, S-P-E-E-R.com. And that has links off to all my social and links to all sorts of places you can buy the book. The book is available everywhere books are sold. So you could get it, of course, on Amazon and Target.com and Barnes Noble. But I always encourage people if they can get it at their local bookstore and they might not have it in stock, but, you know, they can ask their local bookstore to get it because, yeah, our local bookstores are the heart of our community. So let's let's do everything we can to, to support our local bookstores. I love that plug. Yeah, yes, for sure. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. We are so excited that you came back to talk to us, Jessica. And I'm hearing that you'll be back again next year with your third book. So hopefully you'll come back and talk to us. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. Let's talk about cell phones. Lots to talk about there. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's always such a joy. And thank you for the work that you're doing. It's super important. It it takes all of us, huh? It takes all of us just to keep kind of diving into this whole parenting thing. Yep. Absolutely. Um, So listeners, if you would like more information um, about Jessica and her work, like she said, you can go to her website, jessicaspear.com. You can find her on Instagram at jessica underscore spear underscore author. We'll actually put all of her links to her website and her social media handles in our show notes, as well as how to get her book. Thank you so much for listening today. If you liked our show, we would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you would rather watch us, we're on YouTube, and you can find us on every single social media channel at The Brainy Moms. So look, until next time, we know that you're busy moms, and we're busy moms, so we're out. See ya.